Canto 11, Chapter 13 The Hamza Avatara answers the questions of the sons of Brahma. The Supreme Lord said, The goodness, passion and ignorance we know from the gunas are matters of the mind and not of the soul. With goodness the other two can be counteracted, while goodness itself is controlled by character and good sense. The goodness of someone leads to and strengthens the dharma that is characterized by devotional service unto me. That what belongs to the mode of goodness, like nature, consciousness, courage and wisdom, will result in Bhagavata Dharma when one seriously cultivates its inner strength. When goodness increases and dominates, Dharma puts an end to passion and ignorance. When they are superseded, the godlessness, a dharma that is the root of the two, is quickly vanquished. The doctrine followed, the way one deals with water, the people one associates with, one's surroundings and the way one behaves with time, one's occupational activities, one's birth or social background, as also the type of meditation, mantras and purificatory rites one respects, are the ten factors determining the prominence of a particular mode. That what of these matters belongs to the mode of goodness is appreciated by the classical sages, that what belongs to the mode of ignorance they criticize, and that what belongs to the mode of passion they are neutral about. As long as there is no self-realization, self-remembrance, making amends for the influence of the modes, a person should cultivate the things belonging to the mode of goodness, so that a character develops from which the religiousness rises that leads to spiritual insight. Just as fire that in a forest of bamboos was generated by friction of the stalks pacifies after having burned, also the activity of the material body and the mind will pacify that was generated by the interaction of the natural modes. Shri Uddhava said, Mortals generally are very well known with the fact that sense gratification is a source of trouble, but they nevertheless delight in it, O Krishna. How can it be that they willingly behave like dogs, asses and goats? The Supreme Lord said, It is because a fool has another intelligence in his eye awareness. Not paying attention to his dharma, a terrible passion arises in his heart that leads his mind astray. Bound to that passion, the mind, disconvinced, imagines all kinds of things. Focused on the qualities of nature, the gunas, he is thus beset with desires that make his life unbearable. With the senses not under control, someone, bewildered by the force of passion and under the sway of desires, engages in fruitive activities, despite being well aware of the resulting unhappiness. Even though also the intelligence of a learned person gets bewildered by passion and ignorance, no attachment arises in him because he, well aware of the contamination, carefully puts his mind back on the right track. When one has conquered the breathing process, pranayama, and has mastered the sitting postures, asana, 
one should attentively, step by step, without slackening, gather one's mind by concentrating on me at appointed times. The yoga system, as instructed by my pupils under the lead of Sanaka, boils down to the following. Turn the mind away from everything and directly find absorption in me the way it should. Sri Uddhava said, When and in what form, dear Keshava, have you instructed Sanaka and the others in this yoga? That is what I would like to know. The Supreme Lord said, The sons, headed by Sanaka, who took their birth from the mind of him who originated from the golden egg, Hiranyagarbha or Brahma, inquired of their father about the so very subtle supreme goal of the science of yoga. Sanaka and the others said to him, The mind is directed at the gunas, the qualities of nature, and the gunas impose themselves on the mind. O Master, what is for someone who desires liberation, for someone who wishes to cross over this material ocean, the process of breaking away from that mutual effect. The Supreme Lord said, The great self-born Godhead, the creator of all beings, thus being questioned, seriously pondered over what was asked, but could not find the words to describe the essential truth, for his mind was bewildered because of his creative labor. With the desire to find closure he remembered me, the original Godhead he originated from, and at that time I became visible in my Hamsa form. Seeing me, they, headed by Brahma, approached me, offered their obeisances at my lotus feet, and asked, Who are you? Thus being questioned by the sages interested in the ultimate truth, I spoke to them. Please, Udava, hear now what I said to them that moment. O Brahmins, if you, with that question, mean to say that, relating to the one true essence, there will be no difference between our individual souls, how then would you be able to pose a question like this, O sages? Or how could I as a speaker then be of any authority, or constitute a refuge? Also, if you would refer to the five elements our bodies are equally composed of, your question about who I am would in fact be a meaningless gesture of words. That what by the mind, speech, sight and the other senses is grasped, is what I all am. There is really nothing that exists outside of me. That is what you have to understand clearly. The mind is directed at the gunas, and the gunas impose themselves upon the mind, dear man. But to the living entity, of which I am the soul, both the mind and the gunas are outer appearances. With the mind directed at the natural qualities, and the qualities that, imposing themselves by stimulating the senses, constantly put the mind at work, the one who is of realization with my transcendental hamsa form, through meditation must give up both the mind and the operation of the gunas. Wakefulness dreaming and deep sleep are the transformations of the mind due to the modes of nature. The individual soul is, with characteristics different from them, known to be their witness. 
the materially motivated intelligence constitutes the bondage that keeps the soul occupied with the modes of nature. But when one is situated in me, in the fourth state of consciousness, Turiya, one at that moment can give up both the mind and the sense objects. The bondage of the soul as a result of identifying oneself with the body, of false ego, constitutes the opposite purpose. A soul of knowledge, who detached in samsara, is situated in the fourth state, gives up the anxiety about those ego matters. As long as a person is convinced of many different purposes and does not desist from that engagement by means of meditation, he, even though awake, will be sleeping with his eyes open, just as unaware as someone who sees something in a dream. The states of existence, apart from the Supreme Soul, are inessential because of the separation created by them. To the seer, who is filled with motives and objectives, they are just as deluding as what one experiences in a dream. In the waking state he enjoys the qualities of the external matters at the moment. In his dreams he undergoes with all his senses a similar experience in the mind. In deep sleep he withdraws himself completely. But being one in his remembrance in Turiya, he as a witness of the functioning of the three successive states of consciousness becomes lord and master over his senses. After considering the three states of consciousness that originate from the modes of my nature, my deluding potency, then be resolute about the purpose of realizing me as the fourth state and cut in your heart with the cause of all doubts, the ahankara, by means of the sort of discrimination sharpened by the logic and instructions concerning the truth. Regard this delusional state of mind with images popping up today and gone tomorrow as the most restless sphere of a firebrand. The one spiritual soul deceptively appears in many divisions as an illusion, a threefold dream of variations operated by the Guna creation. When you turn your eye away from that creation and become silent with your desires ended, you in meditation must arrive at the realization of your actual happiness. And in case you happen to be full of thoughts about this earth, you have to understand that that is insubstantial. That what one gives up, one will remember till the end of one's life and will not confuse one again. Just as someone blurred by liquor is indifferent about the clothes he put on, it makes no difference to the one of perfection whether his perishable body sits or stands or whether he by providence leaves this earth or obtains a new body for he reached his original position of service, his Svarupa. The body will, as long as its karma, its chain of fruitive actions, lasts, continue with the breathing it took up as ordained by fate. But, having awakened to his original position, someone highly situated in the absorption of yoga will no longer cultivate any such ego-driven dreaming and appear as such. O oh, learned souls, understand that with this explanation about the confidential analytical knowledge of yoga, the science of uniting one's consciousness, I have come to you as Yajna, Vishnu, the Lord of Sacrifice, with the desire to describe the Dharma of persons like you. O oh, best of the twice-born souls, 
I am the supreme way of yoga, of analysis, of the truth and the sacred law, as also the ultimate path of all beauty, fame and self-control. All the excellence, such as being transcendentally situated, being free from expectations, being the well-wisher, the dearest one, the true self, the one equal, the detachment and so on, belongs for being free from the natural modes to my honor. Krishna said to Uddhava, I thus put an end to the doubts of the sages headed by Sanaka. Honoring me with transcendental devotion, they with beautiful hymns chanted my glories. Perfectly worshipped and glorified by the greatest among the sages, I, thereupon, before the eyes of Brahma, returned to my abode. 